You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how companies should be adjusting their marketing and sales strategies in the post-COVID economy. I know for a lot of us that may not still be a thing of reality, depending on where you live. I know some countries are still struggling, but as we look towards basically being hopefully towards the end of this, there's going to be some changes. There's going to be some impacts. And so to help us, we have with us Daryl Amy, author of the best-selling book, Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Accelerate Growth. Daryl's also the host of the Revenue Growth Podcast and co-host of Selling from the Heart Podcast. Daryl, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Oh, Chad, it's great to be here. And I know we had to reschedule a couple of times. So I just want the whole audience to hear me say I greatly, greatly appreciate your patience uh, in order to get us to this point. And so before we jump into the topic of the day, we always like to start with just kind of an off the wall question for our guests or our audience to get to know you a little bit better. And I'm always curious to learn, you know, something you're passionate about that maybe those who only know you from a work perspective may be surprised to learn. Well, I'm passionate about helping generous companies grow revenue. And the reason for that is I'm on the board of two different nonprofits. Um, one of them is called the Kingdom Fund. It funds innovation in missions projects all over the world and kind of like Shark Tank for just incredible organizations that have brilliant ideas that are smart, sustainable and scalable. And uh, so what I love doing, it's the reason I'm passionate about helping businesses grow because I've noticed being on the board of nonprofits that um, while every donation is awesome, the people that can write the checks with the commas are the generous, forward-thinking, innovative <laughs> business owners. So, so those things are two parts of my life that are very closely linked, Chad. And, and is that something you've done uh, you know, throughout your career? Is it something you came to later in your career? To Give me a little more detail on that. Yeah, it was uh, 18 years ago when that started for me. So I would say uh, probably it, it was my early early 30s when I when the idea for that came together. And you know, up until that point, I started my career in B two B sales. And at about the same time, the nonprofit started. I also started a marketing agency. So all of this over the last 18 years, I've had one foot squarely in sales, sales development another foot in marketing, all of the incredible things going on in digital marketing. And that whole time also involved in being on the board of, of a nonprofit. And so all of those things work together and inside, I guess the combination of all of that fueled inside me a desire to help generous business leaders really take their business to the next level, apply all of the best in class ideas for sales and marketing uh, in order for them to accelerate their growth so they could give more. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's jump into the topic of the day. And then you will be the first official guest where I am using the words post COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so very excited to have this conversation because for the last year and a half, it's just been in COVID. So when we think about, you know, this evolving reality, let's call it the next phase for mm -hmm. lack of a better term. When you think about what's going to be different and what companies should be aware of kind of B2B companies coming out of this into this post-COVID era, what, what's kind of top of mind for things that you hope companies will keep an eye on as, as they move forward? One of the first things that I think is really, really critical for companies to be thinking about right now is what are your customers buying? 
you may be selling the same products today that you sold before the crisis, during the crisis, and now in terms of whatever, wherever we are today, depending on where you live. But one of the things that, that I discovered and I'm very passionate about is, is this principle. Buyers don't buy products. They buy the outcomes your products deliver. It reminds me of Theodore Levitt. He's the father of modern marketing. He was a Harvard Business School professor, and he used to walk into his classes on day one of marketing school. Day one, Marketing 101, he's holding up an electric drill bit. And he would say to his class, he would say, nobody in the history of Lowe's, Home Depot, insert hardware store here, ever walked into the hardware store to buy a drill bit. They went to buy the hole. And Seth Godin <laughs> would take it a step further and go, well, they didn't actually buy the hole. They bought the ability to hang the plaque on the wall to make themselves look good. <laughs> and uh, and in another one, it's even funnier, Chad, another one of my favorite authors, Donald Miller, would say, well, we all descended from cavemen, and we know that if we're not in community, we're going to get eaten by a tiger. So we need to hang the plaque on the wall so our friends will accept us and we don't get eaten by a tiger. <laughs> Here's the deal. It doesn't matter whether you went to the store because you need a hole, you want to hang a plaque on a wall, or you're afraid of getting eaten by a tiger. You didn't go to buy the drill bit. You went to buy the outcome. And so when we think of that in the context of what's going on right now and, you know, in B2B, which is is my sweet spot, favorite place, when we're selling to companies, we've got to remember that buyers buy the outcome and the product may be the same, but the outcome shifted. When COVID happened, Gartner did a study right before right after COVID started. Uh, Gartner Research said pre-COVID companies wanted efficiency, scalability, productivity, all of that. When COVID happened, we had to shift our message really quickly to redundancy, resiliency, remote work. Now that we're in various parts of the world starting to come you know, into the next phase, whatever that looks like, it is critical as business leaders. We have our ear to the ground. We're talking to our clients. We're paying very close attention to what outcomes do our clients and prospects actually have now? And the companies that shift their message, sales and marketing, and their strategy around that, uh, the current outcomes, I believe, are going to have a tremendous competitive advantage in this next season. Well, and, and it is that shift, right? I mean, those of us that have been in B2B sales or, or marketing for a long time, we've, we've heard this concept, right? And so the, the latest version I've seen is, if you're familiar with Sarah Blakely, the CEO of uh, Spanx, she does a mm -hmm. master class where she talks about selling the problem. You're selling the problem. That's right. That's right. And that's and it and it seems so simple. Yet we run into countless legions of, of B2B sales reps and marketing professionals that still want to talk about the solution. They want to talk about the features. They want to talk about the benefits. And I think you're 100 percent right. As we move into this post COVID era, it's going to become even more critical to figure out what it is that they're looking for because they didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, hey, I hope company ABC calls me today or gives me an opportunity to buy. That's not what they're thinking about first thing yeah. in the morning. It, and this is this is time. And, you know, we all have Zoom fatigue. But I think the other thing that's starting to set in is we have pivot fatigue. Right. We, we I mean, last spring, we all had to pivot really quickly. And by the way, we learned how quickly we could do that. But, you know, last spring, if you weren't paying attention, uh, let's say it's last summer, we're in the heart of the the pandemic and you weren't paying attention and let's say um, from a marketing folks we'll just we'll talk about marketing for a minute you didn't look at your marketing engine you didn't look at your marketing automation platform and someone 
you know, hit your website last summer and downloaded something and then started getting a string of emails that said things like, in today's exploding economy, it's more important than ever, you know, and, you know, how offensive would that have been and how, you know, well, what about, you know, what about six months from now, someone downloads something from your website, you know, during the COVID pandemic, it is, you know, increasingly important. And, you know, and you may be at a place where everyone's going back to work and the the message doesn't align. And so this, you know, it, it was really, really critical. I think one of the best things we learned out of this last year is to talk to our customers, talk to them, listen, pay attention to what they want. And here's the deal. I mean, we all want everything to go back to normal, but I think we have to realize we're going back to a new normal and we've got to understand what that is. The people that are going to help us do that are our clients talking to them. What are your goals? What are your challenges? And I've always said in, in, in when I train salespeople, I believe firmly with all my heart, if you cannot hang your rep- recommendation, your proposal on at least one of a company's top three challenges, you may have the best idea in the world, but it's always going to get put on the back burner of things we'll get around to someday because companies should focus their resources, people and money on their biggest challenges. So we got to know what those challenges are. And we've got to be messaging to those challenges in our sales conversations, in our marketing message. And right now, coming out of COVID, you know, you may have pivot fatigue. I get it. I get it. Take a deep breath. Take a day off, whatever. (laughs) But get back at it and talk to your clients and go and change your marketing and change your your sales message. Otherwise, you know, you, you, you risk missing out. And there's a lot of opportunity that is, uh, there's a wave of opportunity in so many industries right now because of change and change is good, but don't forget to change your message and change it based on the outcomes your customers are telling you that they want. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's, it almost is the, I mean, the, everybody has a shared experience. We all went through this or going through the, this COVID thing and the impacts that it had personally and, and professionally. And it's really driven home that the evolution or, or change is just kind of the new constant, the awareness of who you're selling to in the environment you're selling to. And, and I just, I keep thinking about that poor person that receives that email six months from now that says in the time of COVID and just all of the things that that brings back, <laughs> right. that would be absolutely horrible. It and really it blows will. your credibility. It does. It just destroys it. So pay attention. This is, you know, I know we had to pivot when we got into this. We got a pivot coming out. The world we live in is um, going to be different. And there is going to, there are going to be different problems, which means there's going to be different opportunities. And right now is a critical time to have our ears to the ground and then to get to work changing the message so that it's going to resonate. Absolutely. And and when we think about these changes, I mean, it's not only changes in our outbound, like how do we market to people? How do we sell people? But there's going to be organizational changes. Some of the some of the team building models and, and things that people had in the past when everybody was in the same space is going to be different. So I'm just kind of curious from your perspective. I mean, I know of some companies that are going back to bringing the teams together into mm-hmm. offices. I know some that are going hybrid. I know some that got rid of all of their physical locations during COVID, kind of what are you seeing and and what would you suggest the companies be aware of as they move towards these potentially new, quote unquote, and I am doing air quotes, the the new normal (laughs) for these companies? Well, if if I'm allowed for some air quotes, I'll put air quotes around the word hybrid. And this is where, (laughs) 
you know, everyone's saying we're moving into a hybrid world. And you're right. I mean, we've been living in this, right, where some people are in the office, some are at home, um, companies are shifting around. They're, you know, my friends in the HR world are talking about the impending great resignation where when everyone goes back to work, there's going to be some people that go, I don't want to go back to work. I'm going to get a job with a, a stay-at-home type model or company. All that means is there's going to be a lot of shifting going on. Right. And there's, you know, we talked about the message. Now let's talk about the the methodology and, and specifically in sales. When I came out of a very face-to-face industry. When I started my sales career in the early 1990s, we went office to office, hardcore, (laughs) cold call, you know, don't come back to the office if you hadn't had at least two meetings and demonstrated the product somewhat. I mean, that was the, that's where I began. And, and, you know, and still even to this day with all of the the sales development training that I've done uh, across multiple industries, salespeople in and and this is starting to change but until until last year salespeople were saying well my 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 customer wants to be face to face with me my prospects want to be face to face with me and uh i i knew because i'd been selling virtually for 17 years uh, to <laughs> clients all over north america australia and the uk that you didn't have to be face to face and and we've discovered that clients don't want to be face to face all the time. It's inconvenient. Not yeah. you know, let's put the the germs and all the the you know fear aside uh, that we've dealt with this last year, or just not being in the office. It's inconvenient to have someone come into your office every single time. So we've got to discover, uh, take what we've learned this past year about virtual selling, and continue to develop those skills, continue to learn how to uh, build a relationship virtually through virtual, all kinds of virtual channels, social, video. Um, and on top of that, in the B2B space, we also have to realize that something else shifted in a, in a direction during, during the pandemic, and that is buying teams that I've seen are getting bigger. <laughs> like, can buying teams get any bigger? I it was so funny, you know, challenger customer. I, I really like Brent Adamson and, and Matt Dixon. I, I think they did great work um, when they wrote that coming out of the, the last big crisis in 08, 09. And uh, in the challenger customer, they cite research that says they're an average of 6.7 decision makers and influencers in the average B2B transaction. And uh, it was actually funny. I was on a Power Lunch Live about six, eight months ago, and I quoted that stat. And I said, I know um, in talking to Brent that that number is a little bit higher. What was actually cool was he was watching the podcast and he said, yeah, it's actually 11. It was kind of cool. It streamed across (laughs) the bottom of the screen. I love this virtual world we're in. Like Brent Adamson's here. How fun. But here's the deal. Whether it's 6.7, whether it's 11, However, in every one of your accounts, I think as B2B sales and marketing professionals, we have to realize that our job is not just to get in the door with one person. Our job is to win the hearts of the entire buying team. And so what's good about, what's good about virtual, um, what's good about this hybrid world is it would be nearly impossible to have a face-to-face meeting with 12 people as individuals inside a sales process I and mean, just time efficiencies and, 
and all of that. And not all those people would, you know, if they're, they wouldn't necessarily want to have a meeting with you face to face, but you can interact with them digitally and you can uh, communicate through digital channels, social channels. You can use video. You can jump on a quick zoom meeting and have a digital cup of coffee and all these things that we learned to do this last year as sales professionals, we now have new abilities to influence the buying team. And I say the person that understands the outcomes and then is able to influence the buying team is going to be the person that wins the deal. And so this, um, you know, this combination of, of value and relationship is, is the mix. And uh, on the Selling from the Heart podcast, this is what, what we're talking about. My podcast partner, Larry Levine, I was just helping him put together his keynote for the Outbound Conference coming up. And, you know, we're talking about the heart. And this is authentic relationship plus authentic value. And I know you're a value guy. When you take the value and you combine that with the relationship, uh, you get, you know, you get the competence, but you also get the, the, the connection with that. And now we've got, you know, opportunities as we've learned and started mastering the art of virtual selling to look across that buying team. And we have multiple ways to make those personal connections uh, with different people on the buying team. Now when that buying team assembles to make the quote unquote decision, it should be a scenario where everyone on that buying team knows the salesperson and possibly other people inside the organization. Uh, We have the opportunity to do that now in ways we didn't really think we did before. So I challenge reps to, especially in B2B, which are complex sales environments in many cases, use what you've learned this past year to build relationships across the entire buying team. Absolutely. And, and that it's funny that, that you quoted those, those stats. I, it, when people hear those, I see their eyes get bigger because they all start to think about if they're a sales rep, wow, I, I, I only have one contact in this deal. <laughs> I'm running single threaded deals. No wonder my win rates, not as awesome as it should be. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I didn't even think about that before. It's amazing. <laughs> so, well, this is, you know, this is, I think there's two dimensions to this. Cause I'm, I've, I'm, I'm a sales rep. I always joke. I'm a recovering sales rep. I'm down to therapy twice a month. But you know, I I started hardcore in the office equipment industry. So it was, I mean, we were, it was competitive, but it was fun. But uh, what, I think there's two dimensions here to this. You know, when you look at the buying team, there's, there's a dimension of, of how many people do you know? And there's a dimension of, do you understand the outcomes each one of those decision makers personally wants? And so this is an area of training. I love that you're about business acumen, Chad. When I look at that, that just makes my heart sing because (laughs) I think the biggest area for improvement in B2B sales and marketing is deeper understanding of business. Um, You know, I need business people who can sell, not technical people who can sell. I need people who understand business. And this is where when you look across that buying team, now you look at that second dimension of do I know this person? And then the other thing is, do I know what's important to them? Do I understand the outcomes that the finance decision makers want, the technical decision makers, the you know HR person or whoever is on your buying team um, and is influencing that? Do I understand the outcomes? And 
you know, there's some high level company outcomes that, that the company wants, but you need to know everybody thinks about it differently. And the more we can educate ourselves and educate our sales teams in business, just pure business, what's important? How does business work? What are people thinking? We're talking about the great resignation. What does that mean to business? What does that mean to their P&L? What does that mean to their strategy? These are all all areas where as we hone those skills, and I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but the more you hone those skills, the better conversations you're able to have, the more value you're able to establish. You get that value also lined up with relationship, that connection, and you've created unstoppable competitive advantage. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's that personal, you know, you go back to that personal connection. Being able to pull that off in virtual is a skill set. But it starts by building the trust, credibility, and rapport, which comes from the business acumen and being able to demonstrate you understand the environment that the individual you're talking to is working within, that you understand their world and you're not here to just say, hey, I've got this widget. Do you need this widget? It's more about, hey, I understand where you're at. I understand what your business is doing. We did the research. We understand you know, what your goals are and, and how you're trying to impact them. If you're having that conversation focused around them, moving into that personal conversation, that personal connection becomes easier, but it does require uh, focus. It requires mm -hmm. being deliberate. It doesn't just happen uh, automatically. And so it's going to be interesting as we continue down this road, see how many people are able to actually make that shift uh, or be part of that, which I think you called the great resignation. So be part of that, <laughs> which is a great term, by the way. I'd never, I hadn't heard that one before. So when you're, when we're talking about companies coming out of this, you, you've mentioned in the past, you're setting aggressive, but realistic goals post COVID. Mm -hmm. And now aggressive, but realistic is, you know, it's a very pretty standard phrase, but I think it takes on a different life of its own, considering what we've just gone through and where we're headed. So we'd love to kind of Get your take of what companies should be you know, focused on and what that means in the, in the quote-unquote new normal as we move forward. Well, setting goals has always been a challenge. I'm talking about revenue goals here, whether you're a company, whether you're a sales leader or you're an individual sales rep with the territory. The setting goals, it's kind of funny. I, I summarized it in Revenue Growth Engine uh, where you know, I basically said there's two core methods companies use to set goals. One is the spaghetti on the wall method, which we can all laugh at, but you you'd be maybe surprised or maybe not at how many companies just kind of go, Hey, here, I think we can do this. Bill, do you think you can take this much of the quota? You know, they go around and, and it's just, you know, and that company gets halfway through the year, they're not hitting the number and, and everyone goes, well, I want a realistic goal in the first place. Correct. Uh, the other way that companies set goals that are a little more conservative uh, and realistic is the ruler method. You look at what you did over your growth trajectory for the last two, three, four years and go, we've been growing at X percent. Let's do that again this year. Great conservative way to do things. The problem is uh, COVID just happened. So a lot of companies had a really rough year. And the, the rulers now pointed in the wrong direction, right? If that was you. <laughs> or maybe you were selling personal protective gear or plexiglass and you just had a banner or plywood and you just had a banner year. Uh, you know, now the rulers pointed in unrealistic directions. How do you set realistic goals, aggressive but realistic? I think you drill down one level, Chad, and you look at what are the two drivers of growth. And if you think about it at, at its most simple level, there's only two ways to grow revenue. We get net new customers or we cross sell more to our current customers. Uh, we land and we expand. We get market share and we get wallet share, however you want to say it. But <laughs> 
but here's the deal. Now you go, okay, well, Daryl, what does this have to do with setting goals? Here's how you do it. You go, okay, net new. How many customers do we have right now? That's a number, you know, and if it needs to be a round number, that's fine. How many customers do you have right now? How many customers do you think you could get in the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months? Like if we have a thousand now, could we get 1200? If we have, you know, whatever, whatever that number is, I use round numbers here on this podcast, just to keep it simple. Okay. That's your net new growth, right? Number of customers, cross sell revenue. This is the measure of wallet share. And the measure there is really simple. It's revenue per customer. So you take your total annual revenue, you divide it by the number of customers, which you just figured out. And now you know your revenue per customer. So let's say your revenue per customer uh, is $1,000 per year. Once again, round number, right? Then you go, okay, well, if we got strategic about cross-selling all of our products and services, what I like to call 100% sold, if, if we got customers 100% sold into all of our products and services, what, what could we do? What goal could we set for our revenue per customer? Could we get that up to $1,100 per customer instead of 1000 So now you're having discussions about really tangible things. How many customers do we have right now? How many more could we get? What's our revenue per customer right now? And if we got strategic, what could we grow our revenue per customer to? Now you do the math. You add those two numbers together, and now you got your goal. And by the way, if, if you're listening and going, how did that work? Just text the word revenue to 21,000. Uh, that's revenue to 21,000. I've actually got a simple spreadsheet in our toolkit. You can download and, and do that math if you're a spreadsheet kind of folks. Uh, but you can do this on a napkin. How many customers do we have right now? What can we get? What's our revenue per customer? How much could we grow that? Add those together. And now you've got a goal. And it's going to be realistic because it's based on not spaghetti. It's not based on you know, just the ruler, it's based on like getting down into the, the two drivers and setting tangible goals. And you'll also find out that that goal is aggressive. Uh, Chad, if you can grow <laughs> net new and cross sell at 12% a year, you know, so this is like marginal improvement in net new and cross sell 12% a year gains in each one of those simultaneously doubles revenue in around 36 months. It's like, right. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> the problem is most companies are good at one or the other. So you got to get good at both, and then you can really start scaling. Absolutely. All right, so let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply, you're a revenue executive, which makes you a prospect for people out there selling. And so I'm always curious, when somebody doesn't have that trusted referral into you, what works for you when they're trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar for a conversation? They, they need to be addressing a problem. And, I, you know, it's just so funny because I was just thinking about this right before we got on the air here today. This is a personal problem I have. So this isn't <laughs> B2B. This is B2C. My wife is complaining that our Wi-Fi doesn't work in our house. You know, there's certain dead spots in the house. So for some reason, I've been designated the uh, technical support expert <laughs> for support. our home. I'm sure many people listening in can identify. And uh, so I get a barrage of emails all day long. And fortunately, I have a, a, an executive assistant that shields me from most of them. But uh, right before this, I was actually looking for a specific email. And, and I saw just this email about Wi-Fi in your home. And uh, I clicked on that. And I'm now investigating buying a mesh Wi-Fi system, 
on Gen 6 Wi-Fi that is going to solve my problem. It got my attention because that is what I was looking for right now because I got someone mad at me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, you got to think, okay, this, this goes back to the outcomes, right? If you want to get through the filter and everyone's got a great filter, you better be talking about something that's important to them right now. So get inside, talk to your customers, listen to them, pay attention to what's going on in their industry and make sure that whether you're in sales, making calls outbound, or whether you're in marketing, creating content, the headline, the lead line, all of that, it better have something to do with uh, that person's top level business problem. Not a nice to have, I'm talking about a real tangible business problem. Otherwise, it's not going to get through their filter. But hey, hats off to the uh, to the company. I, I don't have the email in front of me, but it it was it was geared at a guy whose uh, significant other was complaining about the Wi-Fi quality in the house, and it got my <laughs> attention. And I'm about to drop, I think, three hundred bucks on a new Wi-Fi router. So um, anything to solve the problem, right? So um, yeah, I, I think that's that is what I would say is is you better be relevant. And if not, you're stuck in the filter. It would never, you know, if you think about the executive and, and I, I mentioned earlier, I have an executive assistant that that manages my schedule and email. She's not going to send anything through to me that's not related to my top level concerns. But the stuff that does make it through to my inbox to process, she knows what our company goals are. She knows what our challenges are. And so she's got her eye open for that. And this is what executives do, right? They have buffers around them to filter out the noise so they can stay focused on the things that are important. So you better be leading with something that's important to the executive. And it better be specific. Like, don't be, you know, we help companies develop more efficiency and productivity. You know, that's just right. bull crap. No one listens to that. Be specific, you know. Wife angry about your Wi-Fi? Click here, right? So. <laughs> That's pretty spot on. Right. Didn't get them that good. If you, if you said that too close to your TV or your phone, I'm sure it's going to show up in your social I media. know. That's <laughs> great. That's probably, it's probably exactly what happened, Chad. <laughs> so. All right. So last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales, marketing people to be more effective, one piece of advice you'd give them that you believe would help them hit their targets, what would it be and why? Process. Or for my fellow Canadian friends, process. But process, here's the deal. Business runs on process. You boil a business down to its most basic level, you got people in processes. The, pro the problem is when you go in most sales departments, it's like the Wild West. I mean, literally, you got a couple gunslingers flipping coins outside the saloon. You got your rainmakers and, um, you know, and tumbleweeds are blowing by. And the sales <laughs> leader is like, y'all go make some more calls. Prospect harder, you know. And, that's all great, but what we need is processes. And marketing people don't get off the hook either because in marketing, we tend to run some campaigns, you know, do some AdWords, do a, an event, do a webinar, all the great things. But what's, what are the processes? And this is where, you know, when we think about building a revenue growth engine, I think the processes we have in place are kind of like cylinders in an engine. And uh, I like to mow my lawn, which is kind of strange, but hey, no one can call me when I'm, while I'm on my lawnmower driving around. And I listen to great podcasts like the B2B. Um, and so what's great, I noticed the other day I'm driving my lawnmower. This is actually what was an inspiration for the Revenue Growth Engine book. My lawnmower has an engine. It happens <laughs> to be two cylinders and 24.5 horsepower, and I'm puttering across my lawn, and I'm looking in my driveway, and I see my car. It has an engine. It happens to have eight cylinders that are finely tuned to deliver 420 horsepowers 
uh, horsepower. And I, that's when I realized every company has an engine. The question is, how many cylinders are in your engine? And those cylinders are your sales and marketing processes. The more you can get those in place and consistently execute on them, the faster you're going to accelerate your revenue growth. Excellent. Daryl, if listeners are interested in taking, talking more about the topics uh, we touched on today, is there a specific place you want us to send them, website, LinkedIn? What's best? Yeah, I'd love for you to uh, visit our toolkit. You can also get a free copy of the Revenue Growth Engine book if you'll chip in for shipping and handling. Just go to revenuegrowthengine.net or text the word REVENUE to 21,000. That's the word REVENUE to 21,000, and we'll hook you up with some tools to help you grow. All right, man. I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been amazing having you on the show. Oh, thanks, Chad. I love what you're about, and this has been a total blast. And, and you got to do me a favor. Tell Larry I said hi because he was on. He was a guest right before Selling from the Heart came out. So I'm glad to see the success that he's uh, achieving with that and that you're helping him with. So please pass along my, uh, my best wishes to him. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill. Check it out at b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, do us a favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.